What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the OUA show week three. We are wow. back at home after a huge Panda game. Wait, that was your first great weekend of OUA action. Obviously, we are going to start with the Panda game in this one. Dude, are that we? was like your first experience. <laughs> so what would you think? Uh, first Panda game for me. Obviously, you've been there a couple times. I know. Uh, but no, it was crazy. I mean, even with the reduced capacity, the stands were loud as can be. I mean, we were right in front of all the U Ottawa fans as loud and as dry as they were with the rain shelter on the North side. But, uh, it was a game and it, it came down to the wire, which you always hope for in big moments like that. But, uh, a pair of backup quarterbacks dueling it out and the ground game really on display from both teams. Yeah, both teams under well, Ottawa combined was was a little bit over, but both starting quarterbacks in this one under 20 passing attempts total. The ground games, however, got it going. Nathan Carter in this one. Before we dive into the game, shout out to Nathan Carter. He became the all-time rushing leader at Carleton University and had himself a day on the ground. 17 carries, 108 yards, one touchdown. Unfortunately, they did not get the win in this one. JP Simikinda, the running back for Ottawa. His team had a day. He had 22 carries for 133 yards in this one. And J.P. Simmonkinda, before he even got to the OUA, this is who he was. Give him the ball as many times as you would like. He will carry your team to wins. And when he got to Guelph, he showed flashes of that in his rookie year. And now that he's at Ottawa, you saw the first couple weeks, he didn't have too many carries. And on a rainy day in TD place, they gave him the rock and he didn't disappoint. He moved the pile all game long for them over five yards of carry. I think over six yards of carry, if I'm not mistaken on my math. Yeah, no, he had himself a day. Ottawa late in the game though, two fumbles, almost lost it. Uh, they bring it back and ice the game off the leg of Campbell Fair, a 45 yard field goal to win the game. Uh, those fumbles were big plays, though. We were kind of looking at each other going, ooh, is this the turning point here? But Ottawa snuck away with it. Well, I thought the first one would be a turning point, And then Carlton went two and out. And then on the punt, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, ball's out again. What? <laughs> you got gifted with another one. Uh, usually, if you flame out after a turnover, you don't get the fortune of a second. But uh, an emotional Ottawa team was able to pull it together and on the final drive, Mahler and Simonkinda and the rest of that offensive line and the receiving core were able to just chunk their way down the field. And when it mattered most, Campbell Fair put his foot to the to the test and he delivered. Yeah, an exciting game for sure in that one. Ottawa, I have to brag a little bit, coming away with the win in that one. Moving to the next game, Mac and Waterloo. Uh, Mac, Mac's back. Mac is back. And, you know, we said this about Waterloo is we don't want to be the Debbie Downers or the naysayers, but let's see them in one of these top fights because we haven't really seen them in that former fashion. And, you know, McMaster had 10 minutes more in time of possession differential. They kept Trey Ford on the sideline, but when he was in, I mean, 356 and a touchdown and, Added 54 on the ground, but uh, for McMaster, wow, they just jumped out. They used the bye week to their advantage, were very prepared offensively. Uh, their script was on point. It was able to target Waterloo's weaknesses on defense, and Andreas Duick went to town. Yeah, Andreas Duick certainly had himself a day, 355, three TDs. They started that game out, and you talked about 
you know, starting with a good script, have an eight, eight play 81 yard touchdown drive to start the game. Mac jumped out to a 27 to two lead before the half was over. Waterloo couldn't recover, man. They could not recover. When you look at McMaster, I mean, 13, nothing in the first quarter. Add a, had another two touchdowns. You almost put it into cruise control for the second half at that point, right? Like you're up 27 to two. Like you just shift it down, let the run game take over or the short game. And you kind of cruise to a win and against a Waterloo team that, you know, was top five in the country in a weekend and where we're seeing three top 10 teams go down, uh, Certainly a shocker, but not the biggest shock of the weekend. We'll get to one of those at least yeah, later we on. Will. We will indeed. The MAC defense certainly looked good in that game. We said that they were one of the best defenses when we last saw them out. Proved it again here against the Waterloo Warriors. Trey Ford had a lot of yards, but they couldn't find the end zone. So uh, I'm okay with, with the Waterloo offense having a pile of yards, not finding the end zone and walking away with a win. Uh, so good win for Mac. We'll see what happens going into week four with them. Western coming off a loss, playing the Laurier Golden Hawks. Uh, they came back with a vengeance, much like we thought they would. Yeah. A and 36-16 win over Laurier. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the same old formula from week one. Uh, give the ball and get out of the way to Trey Humes and Keon Edwards. Uh, the two of them combined 33 carries, 200, sorry, and 41 yards, three touchdowns. Just uh, if you want a recipe to success, this is going to be Western's bread and butter, is these two guys hitting home runs. Trey Humes had 11 carries for over 100 yards. I mean, he, he bursts out and he takes over in chunks, and then Keon Edwards just grinds away all game long, but uh, Savon Magne-Jones, seven for 120 and a punt return TD. He had his footprint all over this game. Yeah, certainly a huge game for him. Whenever you can bring one back, it's always a great feeling, uh, especially when you're trying to bounce back, coming off a loss, helping your team do it on specials is only going to get you more looks. He's certainly proving himself as a wide receiver in that Mustangs offense. On the other side of the ball, though, Laurier, I mean, Laurier didn't look horrible, horrible offensive by any stretch of the means. I mean, Algersma still was up around 250 passing yards. Now they were held to, you know, 28 and 24 yards between their two running backs respectively. But all things considered, the Laurier offense had flashes where they were going and they got going. But the killer in this one was that they just couldn't find the end zone. They couldn't find those points because they had the yardage. But again, much like Waterloo, they just couldn't get in the end zone. And when we look at you know, Western's defense, this is what they did to McMaster as well, right? They make you one-dimensional, and then they fly around. When they have Rory Kelly in the back and Kojo Odum and all those other talented DBs, when you are forced to pass because you can't get anywhere on the ground game, that just allows them to key in, allows the pass rush to pin their ears back, and it makes it tough for a team to move the ball consistently. And uh, when they shut down that run game like they did against Mack, and now against Laurier, uh, they eat the clock with theirs. You don't get to eat much of the clock with yours. Your defense gets more tired more quickly. And the rest rolls downhill. Western starts piling up points and 2-1 and one as a result. 
What do you see from Western here? What, what is their trajectory for you? Is it just wins, wins, wins now for the rest of the season? They took their one kind of shock loss, and now we're getting we're getting 2019 Western here? Uh, I don't want to say win, win, win all the way through because we're seeing a clear formula. If they run the ball, they will win. But last week, the, the two-headed the monster was, away. was kind of limited. And, you know, they still put up 21 points against Guelph. Um, but Guelph just lost to Windsor yesterday, which we're going to get to. But, um, I mean, that that formula was disrupted and it resulted in a loss. So I want to see them come out and have a game where they don't have two guys go well over 100 uh, each and they still are able to win and put up a good amount of points because both times they've been able to have those guys up in the century mark. It's been 30 plus points for that offense. So uh, I want to see a win where they can't do it. Their traditional run, run, run all the way through style before I say wins all the way out. No, I, I feel that for sure. But you alluded to it. Guelph, Windsor, Windsor picking up a win in this one against Guelph. And it seems like one of the themes, I mean, this feels like a stupid thing to say because it's football, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, it feels like the theme in this week is not being able to find the end zone for these teams. And that was kind of the story for Guelph in this one. Strands goes four for four, puts 12 points on the board for Guelph, but they fall 14 to, but they fall 14 to 12. So Windsor picks up a win over the Griffins who bounced Western last week. It is uh, uh, through the first three weeks of OUA football. Wow. Yeah, and with this one, like we said it in our preview this week, could this be a trap game for Guelph? I mean, you're coming off the high emotion of, wow, we beat Western. This does not happen very often in the OUA, and we did it our first game out. Were they riding the emotion a bit too much? Their offense seemed to kind of sputter without Sean Law there. And that's the that's the kind of thing that I was going to come back at you with with a bit of a counter is, yeah, they sputtered, but Sean Law wasn't there. I think that's the key the key to tag at the end of that, that sentence he threw out there. But, yeah, Sean Law not being there really hurt. We saw what he did when, when he was under center against Western. Now they're going with DeAndre Rose, which, you know, no, nothing against DeAndre Rose, but maybe he hasn't been running running one reps all, all training camp like Law has. So, you know, he didn't have a, a – bad day by any stretch of the means, but you need to, you need to hit these receivers. You need to put points on the board, whether it's your ground game or your receivers doing so, but you need to find a way to put points on the board. If you're Guelph, much of what we saw last week against Western was kind of negated and taken away in this one by the Windsor defense who held Guelph to 181 yards of total offense in this one. Yeah. So shout out to the Windsor defense, they team in general, really, they use their bye week much like McMaster did to, recollect themselves rebound and reevaluate where they were uh on the year and it worked out as they get their first win of the year and pull even if you believe that with everyone else i believe uh <laughs> who has one loss and at least a win i know there's some bye weeks that haven't happened yet so some people are at two and one but um just before we move on i do want to say that david adenarin the running back for windsor had himself a great day 26 carries 130 yards he did find the end zone but it was called back unfortunately for him but uh despite that one play called back big day for the Windsor running back uh just want to throw out that the OUA is a power run conference uh if you want to look at the games today Nathan Carter JP Simonkinda both over 100 yards 
uh, Keon Edwards, Trey Humes, uh, David uh, Denneran, and then let's go to the last game, Queens Toronto, where we had Rashid Tucker almost at the 200 yard mark. Yes, the 200 yard mark. Uh, so great day for running backs as we now look to the Queens Toronto game, where Queens won 35 11 over the Toronto Varsity Blues, who were coming off their week two bye. Uh, Queens, only 3 0 team, period. In the yeah, league. they are sitting at the top of the East right now. Good day for them, obviously, on the ground with Rashid Tucker. Uh, they taught your alma mater, the Toronto Varsity Blues, who, you know, we, we said could be a threatening team this year on the eastern side of the OUA. So, I mean, was this a shock to you? Was it a shock to see that it was a 35-11 game? Well, ahead of the game, we had said it was Rashid Tucker, start and end. If Rashid Tucker goes, this is going to be a long day. Rashid Tucker went 24 for 194 and two touchdowns uh, where he had the yardage last week, but no touchdowns. And uh, he kind of pieced it all together. And Richard Burton found the end zone again this week. That's three touchdowns in three weeks for him. So uh, it's tough when you get Rashid Tucker going, like we'd mentioned, that offensive line can start working. And then the rest of their offense just falls right in and, uh, it's a very successful formula for Queens, much like Western. I mean, you get those two guys running, but for them, it's just you get Rashid Tucker running uh, and the rest of your offense opens up. And when they really buy into that and the offensive line gets pushing around uh, the defenses, it's, it's tough to stop. Yeah, it certainly is. Rashid Tucker is a special back. And on the flip side of the ball, Queens defense, it feels like, and I mean, feel free to interject or correct me if, if I'm wrong on this one, but it feels like Queens kind of has found the formula for the Toronto offense. I mean, they said, okay, we know you can't run. So if you want to run, that's fine. And, and Toronto didn't really load the, load the box score with the run game. And they kind of said, we know you have all these weapons. We're going to take away most of them. And if you can damage us and gouge us with maybe one, but we can hold the other few and hold you guys out of the end zone. That's how we're going to beat you. And it felt like that it was kind of how Queens approached this one because Will Corby went off, but it feels like other than that, nobody else really did for the varsity blues. And I think with, with Queens's defense, it's not so much that they, they identified like Toronto's flaws. I think that's just the way they're going to approach teams is they, you know, you can't take away everything in Canadian football, right? Like that is so difficult to do. There's always going to be some way that people get involved, but um, when we're looking like they, the Toronto offense just didn't get much time of possession, right? Like 18 minutes compared to Queens is 41 because Queens was dominating the run game with Rashid Tucker so much, right? So you get 18 minutes of time and all of a sudden you're down and you've got to start taking swings and that leads to lower percentage of completions, which we saw clay go for just over 50% today. And I mean, you got six to half your completions went to Corby and then Lovegrove was left with two and Lehman was left with two. And you just didn't have a whole lot of time to do much of anything. And uh, it's tough because like when you're eating clock, as much as Queens is running the ball week in week out with Rashid Tucker. Um, I mean, it's the same thing we talked about with Trey Ford, right? Like the best way to prevent them from scoring is to keep them off the field. And Queens did exactly that. Absolutely. That kind of rounds us out for the OUA show week three. That is our Sunday recap. We hope you guys enjoyed that one. We certainly had ourselves a great 
weekend of OUA football. The Panda game, as always, didn't let down. It was an incredible experience. Great game. We have a ton of content over there on CFP, so you can check that out on our socials. With more trickling through as yes. we go. So don't forget to stay tuned there. Uh, for Connor and I, at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank, at CF Perspective. And as always, if you guys want to catch any of these games in case you missed them, make sure you head over to OUA TV. Free sign up, all games live and on demand. So go back. Maybe you're at the Panda game with Connor and I, and if you want to go and check out some of these games that we've talked about today, feel free to do so on demand.